podium up here on the stage. I'm going to talk to the kids for just a minute. And this is always dangerous, but we do it anyway. So just sit right as far back as you can without falling off. No, the truth is I wouldn't care if some of you fell off. No, I'm just joking. All right. is always dangerous. Always dangerous. Okay, everybody find your seat where you can see real good. It's oil. Can you guys see over there? Why don't you come over here in the front? Where you can see Travis, why don't you guys come over here in the front just a little bit? There you go. Okay. Now this morning... We, we, we talk about sin a lot, but we're going to talk about what happens when we get saved, okay? Now, imagine back when there was Adam and Eve, okay? And Adam and Eve, the Word says that God created them good, okay? And they hadn't sinned yet, okay? They were, they were created good, okay? But Adam and Eve, you guys remember what Adam and Eve did? What? They ate from the tree that they weren't supposed to. And as soon as they ate, sin came into the world. Okay? All right? Can't get that. All right. So sin entered in. And I'm going to stir that up just a little bit. Okay? So sin has entered into the world. And the word says that there was the sin nature was in man now. All right? So how many of you have been born? All of you? All of you have been born at one time or another? You was born? So you might think, well, because I was born, I'm okay, and, and sin's not going to affect me. So we've got Marcus Blackstock. He comes into the world. Okay? Here comes Marcus. Well, Marcus just becomes like everybody else. He's got that sin nature in him, doesn't he? Well, what happened? Well, there's Jake Ivey. He was born. I was at, I was at the hospital the day that Jake Ivey was born. Maybe, maybe Jake can do something and, and, it'll, and it'll change. Well, it's still the same. Oh, my goodness. How about Ava Greer? Is Ava up here? Ava. Ava will be able to help us. She'll, she'll change everything. It just stays the same. What happened? Because the sin nature is in everybody, okay? Well, I know these guys. I know all three of these guys, okay? And Ava, you, you don't want to stay sinful, do you? Okay? And so Ava says, I'm going to give my heart to the Lord, okay? Now, you're going to have to use your imagination here. And she comes and she comes to the Lord and she says, I have all this sin in my life and I want you to take it away. And so the Lord does that, okay? And, it, and it's taken away. Now, just stay with me. And Marcus comes to the Lord, and he says, Lord, I'm sorry, I hate my sin, I repent of my sin. Can you take my sin away? And the Lord does. And Jake comes to the Lord, and he says, I hate my sin. You know, we're talking about a radical change. And so, Lord, I don't want this sin in my life. Can you take this sin out of my Hey, can you sit down just a little bit? Nobody can see anything. There you go. All right. You're fine. Right there. Right there. 
You don't have to run away. There you go. Hey, hey thanks. Right there is perfect. And Lord, will you please take the sin out of my life? And the word says that the sin is taken as far as the east is from the west. And so Pastor Sean is going to come and he's going to take our sin here as far as the east is from the west. And he'll be back in a month. No. But the word says, so, does, so if, if he's taken Marcus's sin away and Jake's sin away and Ava's sin away, does he want them to still be part of the world? We're still in, the word says that we're still in the world and the world still has lots of sin in it, but he says we're, we're still to be in the world. Where are, are we supposed to be sinning like the world? We're supposed to be different, okay? And so the word says, Nicodemus was, was talking to
says we're radically different. The Word says that sin has been removed from our life. You see how that's separating out again? And that we are different. We are born again. Okay? And so we're not like the world. And God has called each one of you to come to Jesus, give Him your sin, and then let Him make you all new. you understand that? And when we're made new, then we're different from the world. I want you guys to remember that. Okay? When you're at school, you're supposed to be different than the other kids. When you're at home, everybody else, lots of kids don't listen to their mom and dad. You guys are supposed to be different. You're supposed to do what your mom and dad says. When you're at school, you're supposed to be uh, doing the things that God is going to do. Okay? And I pray for you guys before you go sit by mom and dad. Father, as we sit here today, we see a lot of the future that's to come. And Father, right now, I pray that you would just begin speaking into these kids' lives for the years to come. Father, I pray that they would have a radical change in their life. I pray that each one of them would be born again, that they would not be like the world, but that they would be made new and different, like your word says that we can be. And Father, you call us to be in the world. We're supposed to be around people that don't know you. But we are to be different, and you call us to be different. Father, I pray that each one of these kids will be. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go sit down with mom and dad. Thank you. How about that? There we go. All right. I was talking to uh, Lance this morning when we first came in. And he said, when I first walked in this morning, he said, I felt like there was an oppression in here. So I think maybe we're dealing with a little bit of that. And uh, that kind of excites me because that means that God's wanting to do some things and Satan's wanting those things not to happen today. He doesn't want our kids to hear what God would have him to say, what God would say. He doesn't want us to remember the things that we're supposed to remember. And so uh, that's okay. But I feel like God wants to speak to us today and draw us together. And so we're going to do that. If We've been in the fifth chapter of Ephesians. And uh, so today, turn to chapter 5. We're going to read the first two verses again. I want to, some of you might be wondering, what are all these flowers down here for? If you had someone that was remembered in the... Uh, Memorial Road, we want you to come get a flower for them. 
and uh, take that home with you. So after church, everybody that had someone that was on the memorial row, uh, take that, and uh, you're welcome to take that home with you. Let's all stand. I've changed our reading before we read scripture. We've used that other one for quite a while. And I wanted to begin service with scripture, and I want to end service with scripture. And the other was just uh, good advice, but I wanted to use something out of the Bible. And so we're going to read this together, and then we'll read scripture. Let's read. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that came from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Let's read. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly beloved children, and and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Father, today, we love you. Thank you for your word. And we ask right now, Father, that you would come and speak and that we would hear. And Father, in these next moments, as we just remember a little bit, I pray that you would help us to live a life in response to the things that we remember that you've done for us. Father, as we come to your holy table today and take communion, I pray that during that time, Father, our hearts would be clean as we come to your table and that we would take this in the, in the sense of reverence that we should have. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's the fifth Sunday. On the fifth Sunday of the year, the four times a year we take communion together. We have a, a time where we just stop and remember. And I think it's fitting that on Memorial Day, on a day that we remember those that have gone before us, that on this day we take communion and we remember the things that God has uh, done for us as well. On Memorial Day, we remember those in our families who have died and gone before us. We remember soldiers who have given their lives for our freedom. And it's good to remember. It's always good to stop every now and then and to remember those who came before you, to remember where you came from, and to remember those who have had an influence on your life, on those who have taught you different things, and to honor them with the way that we live. You know, the only way to really honor someone is to live in a way that would honor their life. The only way to honor someone who has died for our freedom is to live a life according to what our country stands for. Not to go against what, the, what our country stood well, and, and who knows what we stand for anymore, but what we used to stand for, what, what we were founded on, what most people die for uh, is, what, is how we need to live. Can you imagine how soldiers feel when they have died for freedom and then we have a country where freedom is being taken away? Do you think that would kind of make them go, well, what am I doing? Why, why did I? Why, well, of course, there are those that are serving. And so uh, the best way to honor them is to live like they would have you to live. Imagine how your parents would feel if they have lived a Christian life before you. They die and go on up to heaven and they're watching you. The best thing that you could do for them, the thing that would make them the most happy, is if you lived a life that would honor God as they did. Don't you think about that? And so Jesus... Uh, is who we, uh, who we serve, and, and, and on this day we remember what he has done for us. 
And so as we have this day, on Memorial Day that we remember, and have today that we remember, I think that we need to remember that we need to live our lives in a way that would honor those that would come before us. I've loved the study that we've done in, in Ephesians chapter 5. And on Wednesday nights, we've been doing uh, the study of the whole book of Ephesians, and it's been really good. And so uh, I, on, on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about uh, what, what Paul has said in this letter. And in this letter, this letter is written to a church. This whole book, Paul, uh, Paul didn't know that this was going to be scripture. It would just be like uh, my district superintendent writing me a letter to speak things into your life. And so I want you to imagine this letter is something that my district superintendent says, this is the things I see going on in your church. These are the things I've heard about. These are the good things. These are some things that you need work on. And he's writing that. And so Paul is writing this to the church. So I just want you to imagine that he's writing it as a church like us, a church of the Nazarene. And, and it's a church that's kind of in a hard place. They've got Greek people that are coming to know the Lord. And they've got Jewish people who are coming to know the Lord. And they really both kind of feel out of sorts. The Jewish people, when they, when they come to, to Jesus, there's Jewish friends that are saying, what are you doing? What, why are you following Jesus? He's not the Messiah. And then you have Greek people that are coming to know the Lord, and, and, and they're coming into this, and, and they don't know the, all the tradition of the Jews. And you have all these people who have one thing in common. They love Jesus, but they're having trouble getting along together. And Paul writes in the midst of this, and he says, submit to one another. The relationship is the most important thing. On Wednesday night, we were talking, and I was thinking, and he talks about that the church, in one of the chapters, he talks about that the church is a family. I got to thinking about my own family. Cindy and I uh, were married, and, and uh, we were married in August, and July the next year we had Landon. July the next year we had Lacey and then we had Lindsay in December and Luke in sometime I forget but it was it was 88 89 90 we had babies we skipped 91 and had one in 92 so we had kids quick at our house and all of a sudden we had me and Cindy we had our two personalities and then we had four different completely different personalities in our house and we had to figure out how are we going to get along. And throughout the years, we were able to do that. And we, and we got along pretty good. And each person had their own uh, different personalities. And some of them got along really good. And Lindsay and Landon, they butted heads. I mean, they always butted heads. But they still loved each other. And we were able to, and we were able to have a family who loved each other. And then Landon brought Robin in. A whole different personality comes in. Okay? We, we were doing good. We had, we had six people. And we, and we had figured out our, our personalities. And we were getting along fine. And then he has the audacity to bring someone. Didn't even. I mean, he just said, I'm going to marry her. Didn't ask. We didn't have a family vote or anything. And then Lacey goes and brings some hairy guy in and and i can remember the day that uh i knew he was going to ask me to marry to, if i could if he could marry Lacey, and i didn't want him, i didn't want to talk to him about that at all he said i'm going to come down i want to have breakfast with you and i was like i know what's coming 
And so we went over to Grillo's and had breakfast, and I talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And I never opened it up so that he could say a word. I mean, I just was rambling and talking about and going and going and going. And I was, we was living out there on Turkey Drive, and we was coming down the hill, and I was almost to turn into the road that goes to my house. And I had to take a breath, and I went, <gasps> and he went, can I marry your daughter? <laughs> Doggone it. And so she brings him in. So now we had six, we had six personalities, and now we have eight. And then they, then they have all these kids, and now we've got five more personalities, and they want, 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 and they want everything they want. They're all just a bunch of babies. These little kids are a bunch of babies. And so we got all of them in there. And it's all this, all this family. And we figure out a way to make it work. And sometimes, I'm just be honest with you, sometimes I don't agree with everything they do. You know that? I don't agree with everything they do. And sometimes I'm sure they don't agree with everything I do. And sometimes they probably get together and say, you know, mom and dad are so dumb. They do the dumbest things, you know, and whatever, you know. Dad does it. Dad does the dumbest things. I don't know how mom puts up with dad. Dad does the dumbest things, you know. But, you know, we figure out. And, you know, sometimes I've always told them, and I told you guys this Wednesday night. I've always told them, I said, if you ask my opinion, I'll give it to you once. And I'll never give it to you again on that subject. I said, I'll say it once, and that's all I'm going to say it. I won't keep going. But I'll give it to you once. But sometimes I don't, I don't say what I think. And you know why? Because the relationship is more important than being right sometimes. The relationship, it's more important to me to have a right relationship with them than it is to interject my opinion sometimes. The relationship is the most important thing. And so Paul has this church, and I don't know if you can imagine this, but there's, there's people that have been in, the, and been in here, have been in the Jewish part for a long, long time and been following all these traditions. They get saved, and so they're trying to figure out what Christianity does and what, how that fixes, works in with Judaism. And then they have these Gentiles that come in, these Greeks, and they don't know sick them about anything. But they know that they love Jesus. And they're all put together in this mishmash, and it's, the church is pretty new, and they, and they don't really even know how to do church yet, and they're trying to figure all that out. And they've got all these people that have one thing in common. They've, they've figured out who Jesus is, and they've figured out that he lives in their heart, but they're all in family now. And, and nobody asked to be in the family. It just happened. It just happened. They were born into the family. Jesus comes and, and speaks into their heart, and they're born into the family. And then somebody speaks into someone else's heart, and they're born into the family. Well, this guy didn't ask this guy to come into the family. Jesus asked him to come into the family. But they're family, and they're brought into this. And, folks, that's what we are. That's what we are. We're all family. And we didn't invite anybody, Jesus did. And Jesus, if you are here and, and you feel like you're supposed to be part of our family, Jesus says, this is your family. And the truth is, sometimes we butt heads. Me and Rob, we butt heads sometimes, don't we, Rob? You know why I love Rob? Because we can butt heads and talk about it, and then it's done. I love people like that. Every now and then Rob will say, hey, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, oh. 
And he'll go, hey, I just, I just don't agree with you on this or that. And sometimes Rob's right, and I've been wrong. And then sometimes we just don't agree, do we? We still love each other, don't we, Rob? We love each other. You know why? Because of relationships. The most important thing. That's more important than being right or anything like that. It's, it's the most important thing. And God has called us to be Christ-like. And Christ-like means that the relationship means everything. And to Jesus, the relationship meant everything. And he said, I want to have relationship with you. And in order for that to happen, I will have to die. In order for this to happen, I will have to die. I'll have to give my life on the cross. But the relationship is the most important thing. And then he calls out to the church and says, be like that. Be like that. And sometimes in the church, we think, well, they can come in and you know what? If they don't agree with me, that's fine. They can leave. There'll be somebody else come in. You know, that's how Target thinks. That's how Target teaches its people. That's how Target teaches. That's how Target treats its people. Well, if you don't, do with, you don't agree with us, you go shop somewhere else because we don't care. You know, we don't, have, we're not, we don't get to be that way in the church. When God says you're going to be family, you got to be family. And God says that we have to figure out how that works. And God has called us together, this group together, and called us together and said the relationship needs to be the most important thing. Because that's the way Jesus is. And in these first two verses, it says, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us. Remember, remember, remember what I've done for you. Remember what, how I gave for you. Remember how I died for you. And that should move you to respond to where the relationship is the most important. He died for everyone in this church. Do you understand that? The person sitting by you, he died for he must really love them if he died for him or her. And you might look at the person next to you and go, well, I wouldn't die for them. Really? Because Jesus thought they were worth enough to die for. No matter who they are or what they've done or where they've been, Jesus thinks that the person sitting in your row, every person sitting in your row, every person sitting in this building is important enough and worth dying for. The relationship is worth dying for. And if he thinks it's worth dying for... He calls us to be imitators of him. So if Jesus thinks it's worth dying out for a relationship with someone, then we have to do that as well. And that's hard, isn't it? Because sometimes we don't love people like Jesus does. But we are called to. He calls us to that. He's called us to do that. And I want to ask you this morning, how much value do you put on the people you sit next to at church? How much do you value their friendship because Jesus says their relationship is worth everything it's worth everything to Jesus you are worth everything to Jesus so what would be the proper response to someone who lays down their life for you you say well I guess I could love people like they did like Jesus did I guess I can love them if I have to. I'll be part of the church if I have to. 
Boy, that really makes people feel welcome, doesn't it? I'll love you if I have to. If that's what I've got to do, I'll love you. Boy, people really respond to that, won't they? You can come sit by me if you have to. I'll go to Sunday school with you if I have to. If that's what Jesus says I have to do. Boy, a lot of love there, isn't there? Jesus says, and the word says, that we are supposed to be so transformed like we talked about this morning. We're supposed to be totally different. That's the way the world operates. Well, if I have to. But Jesus says we're going to be so transformed that it's him inside of us. And we love people like he does. Not because we have to, but because we really do. Because we start to value things like he does. And we start to live in a response to what he did for us. To where it's not something that we have to do, but it's something that we want to do. We begin begin to value people like he does. And to live like our relationship with others is worth everything. Because that's what Jesus said it was worth. We're to be imitators. Remember what Jesus did and do like that. Remember what he said later on. He says, put others first. Today we take communion, not just to remember, but to remember so that we can do likewise. Not out of duty, but as a response to the sacrifice that Jesus did for us. Don't just remember. Live it. Don't just remember what Jesus did. Live what Jesus did. Live the life of sacrifice. Be an imitator of Christ. On Memorial Day, there's lots of things happen that don't really accomplish anything. People eat hot dogs. They go to the lake. They have Memorial Day sales. (laughs) That's really a way to remember someone, isn't it? I remembered what someone did for me, so I went and bought something. They take the day off, but they don't really live like what has been given to them matters. Today we take communion. Jesus told us to. And we're to do this out of remembrance. He wants us to remember. But he would rather us take it and remember and then go and live it every day in our home, in our school where we work, in our family. Don't just take the cup, take the bread, and eat it and say, oh, I remember. Take the cup, take the bread, remember, and then go live like you remember. Let the Lord do that in your heart. Let's pray. Father, right now as we get ready to take communion, Father, your word says that we're not to come to the table with anything between us and you, and so right now, Father, I pray that each one here would check their hearts. Help us to look to see if there would be anything in us that would not be like you. And right now, Father, help us to repent of anything that would cause uh, there to be anything between us today, Father. We want to come before you and you come to your table clean. Father, I pray right now that we would just understand and remember and, and, and be thankful and live a thankful life because of the sacrifice that you gave for us. And Father, I pray right now that we would just hear your voice and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want Lance to come and he's going to begin to play some songs. I want our ushers to come. Pastor Sean, I'd like for you to come too.